0: Hi, guys, and welcome to the Legal Corner podcast. On this first episode, we will be looking at rape myths and how they affect the justice system. I'm also joined by a special guest today, over a bottle of wine, of course, who will be joining, who will be discussing the topic in more detail.
1: Hi there, I'm Sophie. I studied law alongside Brittany at Liverpool John Walls University. I'm currently also studying the BTC at BPP University in Manchester and I'm really excited to be featured on today. And Brittany, thank you for the wine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey Sophie, so we both studied the module Sex, Crime and Society during our LLB and rape myths have been an area that we've both explored in depth, haven't we?
1: Absolutely. And you know, whilst this topic is interesting from an academic perspective, it unfortunately also proves to be a current issue. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, the reason why we are discussing this topic right now is back in January of this year, during the Harvey Weinstein rape trial in New York City, Barbara Ziv, brought rape Miss to the forefront of the trial, stating that it's rare for women to kick, scream, and fight back during a sexual assault. Ziv, who is a psychiatrist and expert witness for the prosecution, also brought rape Miss to the centre stage during the Bill Crosby sexual assault trial, stating that society clings to the fact that most sexual assaults are committed by strangers and that victims typically scream and try and run away and that they immediately report assaults but I think that's simply not true is it?
1: Exactly and you know this is why it's so important that we are discussing rape myths today.
0: Yeah so Sophie why don't you start by explaining what a rape myth is?
1: Sure well um a rape myth was first designed by Burt in 1980, who said rape myths are stereotyped uh, false beliefs about rape, rape victims and those who perpetrate the rape. They tend to follow a pattern of victim blaming, disbelief of the claim to exonerate the perpetrator and allude that only certain types of women get raped.
0: Wow, so these beliefs can really affect society, can't they?
1: Yes, exactly. And. You know, Catherine Ryan found that even, I think it was 43% of prosecution lawyers displayed high levels of rape myth acceptance.
0: Wow, that is a lot. And I'm not surprised that many people do argue that rape myths are the reason for low conviction rates for sexual assault crimes. Mm. I mean, one of the things I will ask is, how do you think a quote-unquote usual rape would be described by people?
1: Well... That it's some crazed male stranger who attacks a woman late at night outside and, I don't know, a sudden and violent attack where the woman tries to, with all of her strength, to fight back.
0: Yeah, I think that is how real rapes, how real quote-unquote rapes are perceived within society. I mean, I'm, I suppose it's almost embedded onto our heads that us as women, we shouldn't go out late at night alone because an assault like this could happen to us.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, each person has a schema, which is a cognitive framework or concept that helps individuals to organise and interpret information. And when a rape or sexual assault doesn't fit within a person's schema, they may tend to ignore that information, or even worse, actually, they might believe that information itself is false. Wow.
0: So that's really interesting that you said that, actually, because I think that can be illustrated simply by looking at previous laws. For example, before 1994, I think a lot of people know this law, that husbands couldn't be actually be convicted of raping their wives. Now, despite that law being overruled, Catherine Ryan found that rape trials between husband and wife are less likely to secure a conviction compared to cases where the victim and defendant are strangers.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I heard 84% of rapes are committed by an acquaintance and actually only 10 to 14 of those are only committed by a husband. So the rape script, which proposes that the attacker is a stranger, but it just simply isn't true.
0: Exactly, and much like what you said about people's schema, it makes rape myths that don't fit the typical rape myth more ambiguous. This can even cause rape through things like coercion. Be viewed not as rape, even by the victim themselves, despite from what I know, Section 74 of the Sexual Offences Act 2003 defines consent as the victim being able to choose freely. And I think we all understand that this is a key component to deciding whether a section one offence has been committed. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So when the perpetrator removes the victim's choice by coercing the victim, it still qualifies legally as rape, Mm. but because of rape scripts. It may not be viewed that way by jurors within, by or even within society. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sophie, what kind of rape myths have you heard about?
1: Well, I think the main one is that she, the victim, is lying. The idea that she has lied, that she has lied and did it for monetary gain, especially when the allegation is made against someone who's famous, or you know, maybe you've heard, you know, that she's cheating on her partner and you know, needs an excuse. You just need to look at how some people have interpreted the bible for example that women are these liars and temptresses of evil. I think that this is partly where this belief maybe could stem from.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think a lot of the time there is this almost underlying hostility towards women, which causes this belief to be so wide held, despite it being believed that only I think it's been said two to eight percent of rape accusations yeah. are believed to be false. Mm. But I agree. I think this is one of the wider held held beliefs. Yeah,
1: and you know exactly. And the, the problem is the problem we have here is that when tabloids and other newspapers yeah. report, report false accusations it makes this belief more widespread and mm. it strengthens the preconceived idea that women lie about rape
0: yeah and i think you can also in a way link that to the just world theory from learner matthews yeah, it's yeah exactly so it's this idea that people need to believe in a just world where everyone almost gets their just desserts Mm. and behavioural outcomes are deserved. So instead of thinking that this could happen to them or that they are capable of doing this, they do things like victim blame or claim that the victim is Mm. lying about it. Something which brings me on to my next rape myth, which is the idea that women are asking to be raped. Um, this resolves around the idea, it's so ridiculous, it resolves around the idea that women who dress in a certain way, act promiscuous, have many sexual partners or drink excessively, are the cause to their sexual assault and that the man just couldn't help themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there have been studies with the American colleges where 21% of males stated that women who dress in a revealing way are asking for trouble. And, you know, 22% actually said that women are to blame for their sexual assault if they've had too many partners.
0: Wow, I'm actually really shocked by that. That is a big percentage of young males that believe that, isn't there? It's almost as if women's actions may be catalytic agents of their sexual assault. And I also think women who victim blame may be trying to do that so that they exonerate themselves from the yeah. type of girl that gets raped. Exactly. Yeah, it's like this idea that they may think to themselves, well, I don't invite boys back to my house mm-hmm. late at night after mm-hmm. a few drinks, or I don't go out dressed provocatively, so that would never happen to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just need to look at Kushner QC, mm-hmm. who stated that people are likely to see drunken girls as an easy target. I mean she did of course defend her comments saying that she wasn't victim blaming, she was only warning young girls about what could happen, mm. but the problem here is that this has shifted the focus away
1: from what the perpetrator did onto what the victim could have done differently. Yeah, I agree. I mean. Kramer has found statistics that show rape cases where the victim is intoxicated are less likely to secure a conviction, Mm. and many argue that this is due to victim-blaming myths. That's awful. Yeah, and you know, another rape myth is that it's difficult to believe um, that that women actually enjoy rape. This comes from the Freudian psychoanalytic theory, where a woman's need for sexual gratification actually leads to the subconsciousness desire of a forceful penetration. And this isn't helped by, I'm sorry, it isn't helped by the the pornographic industry who degrade women in in excessive sex scenes Mm. where the woman seemingly gets pleasure from forceful penetration.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, actually. And I think the issue here is the fact that young boys, this is a lot of the... For them, this is a lot of the time that they're seeing the first type of female and male sexual inter- mm. interaction is mm-hmm. actually from porn itself. Yeah. And um, which can cause almost like misogynistic beliefs to be deeply rooted from a young age, especially when the porn is aggressive or degrading, like you said.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're definitely correct. Uh, Zimmerman and Brian actually found that those watching aggressive pornography from a young age installs hostility in boys towards women. Um, This obviously only serves to reinforce patriarchal power and race culture within our society.
0: That's very interesting that you said that. And it's also really similar to Brown Miller's sexual stereotyping and identity roles, where she argues that there's an underlying hostility towards women within a society that that is supportive of rape and the patriarchy. Mm. And she attempted to prove this claim by finding that men who identified strongly with their gender displayed higher levels of rape myth acceptance compared to those who didn't. That's quite interesting, really. And it's this idea that we have almost oppressive norms that regulate everyday activities of women and women who go against these gender roles of being a good wife mm. almost get seen as like, quote unquote, dirty whores.
1: Yeah, and you know, especially this is relevant in the 21st century, a woman's role in society has evolved and so surely outdated rape myths and mm. about rape or rape victims or the perpetrators should be something of the past.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's really, that's really insightful. So now that we have discussed what rape myths are, I think we should look at how they affect the justice system. Mm-hmm. So, for me personally, I would argue that they create barriers. As as we have discussed, they have seen to influence important legal decisions, and they have been one of the causes for lower conviction rates. And um, this, inherently, for me, especially, I feel like this undermines my confidence within the justice system. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this would be the same for. Preach. Yeah, for every for <laughs> every woman, exactly. Yeah. So. Women, women may also not want to report their sexual assaults over fears of not being believed or having to go through trauma of reliving the
1: ordeal, which almost will, um, results in like a justice gap. Absolutely. I mean, we have seen in several cases during cross examination where barristers may use rape myth language to influence the jurors' decision making. I mean, you've probably heard of this, but the most recent case was the acquittal in Ireland, where the barrister yeah, I did hear about
0: this. You know the one yeah. already,
1: and we haven't even got to it. I mean. The barristers actually held up the lady's underwear in front of the courtroom and said, oh, you just have to look at what the victim was wearing. She was wearing a thong with a laced front. I mean, as if the, it wasn't traumatic enough for the victim.
0: Wow, I, I, I still can't believe yeah. that even actually happened, really, know, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. This kind of language almost strengthens rape myths within the very room that we're we're trying to achieve justice for the victim. Mm. I think this can cause horrendous mental defects within the victim as it almost brings that trauma up for them again. Mm. They can even experience depression, PTSD, and feelings of guilt over what happened to them. Yeah. I think that causes such an injustice to any victim of sexual assault, oh, don't yeah, you? yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, it can also cause women to, um, to not report these kinds of assaults, like you said, which almost makes it okay. Like they aren't going to be held accountable for their actions, almost maintaining this form of assault within society. And you know the Guardian newspaper also reported that CPS are actually filtering out rape cases to secure higher conviction rates.
0: Wow I mean that just adds to the issue that we're that we're really discussing Mm -hmm. and I think that also in a way strengthens the rape script Mm. because that could mean that potentially only rapes where there are elements of force mm. which can be seen visibly within a courtroom, yeah, and maybe where the stranger is where the attacker, sorry, is a stranger, yeah, will be the only types of cases being passed through the justice system, yeah. And but as we discussed, that's not how all rapes occur, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So,
0: what do you think that is the way that we can change this?
1: Well, j- just going back to what you said, then I think it just reinforces the rape myths, and you know, I, I do think it should start with educating people about rape myths at school and in other institutions to combat this and uh, you know maybe jurors could undergo some sessions where rape myths are discussed so that they don't let their own you know misconceived ideas about rape affect the way they make decisions yeah
0: i completely agree with what you're saying actually um i think one of the things that i found quite interesting was when i was looking up this topic before we came to the, the this okay. discussion yeah. today mm-hmm. was that actually in south africa Um, they've got rid of jurors completely Mm. for sexual assault crimes. So in Mm. South Africa, they now have separate courts with expert bodies who make decisions on sexual assault cases. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. it's quite interesting, actually. And it's been reported that this has improved their conviction rates. Mm. However, I don't know whether this is really realistic because many people might try and argue, well, this will affect a defendant's right to a fair trial under Article 8 of the European Convention of Human Rights, you know, to be heard by a right of your, um, a majority of your peers yeah. but that's obviously up for another debate
1: Definitely, I mean what I will say about that is that, um, that that's definitely a, a separate argument but um, you know to conclude it, it does seem that rape myths do affect the justice system and Definitely, I mean, something needs to be done about it. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And like I think Bert has stated in the past before, if we continue to consider rapists as devious monsters, mm. rape will always be an act, a random act of violence rather than a societal problem. Yeah,
1: you know, if we don't educate people about rape myths, those preconceptions will never subside and new legal developments Uh, will never have their true impact
0: you've got a really good point there but thank you yeah thank you so much and i think that concludes our first ever podcast so cheers cheers Cheers, cheers, yeah (laughs) thank you so much for joining me sophie (laughs) you've been a a friend for such a long time and i've been so excited to get you on this Brittany,
1: that's my pleasure Yeah.
0: yeah well um thank you again for joining me and that's all we have time for for now but don't forget to subscribe to the legal corner podcast and show your support this really does help reach my podcast reach more listeners who may be interested and don't forget to keep your eyes out for more podcasts where i will be joined by sophie again hopefully if you will if you'll be on it <laughs> absolutely and great
1: thanks so much for having me on your first ever episode and um, for our viewers we'll be getting back to our bottle of wine now yes we hope <laughs> too
0: thank you for listening guys and we'll thank speak to you soon you. Goodbye.
1: Bye.